Hello, and welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through toys, collectibles, and film discussion. In this episode, we are continuing the Star Wars modern toy line retrospective. If this is your first time tuning into this series, it's a year-long series in which we are focusing on each and every one of the modern Star Wars toy lines going all the way back to 1995 with the power of the Force. We previously looked at the power of the Force. We looked at episode one, the line that came out for the Phantom Menace 20 years ago in 1999. And now we're moving on to the power of the Jedi. And uh, joining me in this episode is going to be Dan Curto, the one and only, the gentleman who spent years of hard work putting together the awesome photo archives over at rebelscum.com. They are very useful, uh, even after all this time. Uh, and they've been around for a very long time, not just the website, but these photo archives as well that, uh, you know, are just really handy, really useful to have as a tool. And I will throw a link down in the show notes in case you'd like to follow along with me and Dan as we get into the nitty gritty of the power of the Jedi. This is a toy line going back almost 20 years. It ran from 2000 into early 2002 and uh, had some pretty interesting stuff. It wasn't a huge toy line. It, it was it was a good size for the time, but uh, it wasn't nearly as big as Episode One or The Phantom Menace or even some of the lines that came after that. So. Really looking forward to talking to Dan about that. Over on YouTube, I've been reviewing the latest wave of the Star Wars Black Series line. Uh, that wave includes Vice Admiral Amalyn Holdo, Padme Amidala, Mace Windu. So um, slowly but surely, we're working our way through that wave and featuring them on the channel. Hope you enjoyed our last episode where we were joined by Chris from BanthaSkull.com talking about Jabba's Sail Barge. Huge, awesome, amazing toy. Um, probably one of the greatest toys of all time, quite honestly. And it's a new toy. And I don't say that very often about new toys, but it, it totally is. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, uh, be sure and do that. We, we get really deep into how amazing the sail barge is. And uh, another item that I did review. So there is the video for that up on the channel. And uh, I've got some great content coming your way. So stay tuned. Uh, stay focused on the channel because there is some pretty good stuff that is going to be coming in the pipeline. In the world of toys, there's not a whole lot for me to report on. I really haven't uh, added too much to the collection lately other than, of course, uh, the sale barge. I mean, that's pretty major. It's probably going to be the biggest item I add to my collection all year, certainly, uh, maybe even the entire decade. Um, but, you know, also, as I was noting, the Black Series line, I've uh, acquired the entire wave, and it's a fantastic wave. One of my favorite waves, in fact, from uh, the Black Series line. They just get better and better. Things are a little bit slow on the Mattel Jurassic side. Just today, I actually acquired the Herrerasaurus. I found that at Target for the Action Pack assortment. It's the uh, $7.99 price point. Um, so that is new. Uh, they didn't have Celurus, which is the other species that is part of that wave. But, you know, I'll take what we can get. New toys are new toys, and I am always happy to find them. 
In other news, uh, I saw Captain Marvel recently. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it was the best film that I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Certainly not the best Marvel Cinematic Universe film, but I did love it in its own way quite a bit. I found it entertaining. Uh, I felt like it did get a little bit slow kind of in the middle, but uh, I thought Brie Larson was was pretty incredible in it, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I, I also really like how it was set in the 90s. I mean, I'm a 90s kid. That's that's when I did the bulk of my growing up, and um, you know, just the soundtrack I thought was great, and uh, you know, all the 90s references, the, the dial-up internet, uh, blockbuster video. I mean, all fun stuff. And I think that setting worked really well for this particular film. It wasn't really necessary, but. Uh, It is kind of cool that they threw it back and, you know, seeing the de-aged Sam Jackson was pretty cool. They did a really good job. I mean, it was very naturally accomplished. And uh, I was really glad that they brought Agent Coulson back. I watched Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I was really glad to see Coulson back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I haven't really been collecting the toys for that film. I do have a good amount of Marvel Legends in the collection, primarily from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, So far, I only have the very basic... Uh, Marvel Legends Captain Marvel figure. But I do want to get the Walmart exclusive binary form Captain Marvel figure. I'm not sure if anyone has actually found that yet. Um, I know it's online at walmart.com, but it hasn't actually gone up as far as I can tell. It just says that it's out of stock, but I don't think it's been up yet. So I do want to get that one at some point whenever it is in stock. Uh, I know we're all waiting for the new Star Wars Episode 9 trailer. I know we're waiting to know what the movie is called. Um, So hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later. Uh, Of course, Star Wars Celebration is coming up very soon. I will not be there, unfortunately, not to this one, but uh, I will be there in spirit, of course, and they will be live streaming uh, everything, I believe, all the panels. So uh, I'll definitely be tuned into that. I love that they do that, by the way. It's just so, so, it's just really something to look forward to and spend your day doing. Uh, if you have the time. And if you don't, I mean, you can still watch it later on YouTube, which is, you know, equally incredible. Um, So, you know, here's hoping we get that trailer and we get our first real true look at what's going on with episode nine, because I know a lot of us are kind of starving for information about that film. Also want to mention our Patreon page. I know that I have some of the most fantastic Cantina patrons in the galaxy who are supporting Victoria's Cantina over on Patreon and gaining greater access to everything that we do, early reviews, early access to the Cantina Chatter podcast, previews of the things that I am working on reviews for, early glimpses of toy photography, and uh, even sneak peeks of the creative process behind Victoria's Cantina. So uh, you can think of it as a tip jar. Uh, For as little as a dollar a month, you can become one of my Cantina patrons. So if you're able and willing to do that, uh, I do have a link in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you guys. Everything we do here on the Cantina is self-funded. We're not really sponsored by most of these brands. Occasionally they'll throw us a bone here and there, but for the most part, most everything you see on the channel Uh, is self-purchased and obviously we love what we do otherwise I wouldn't be here doing it so you already listening to the show is is a pretty big deal to me I appreciate that a lot but if you want to get greater access to what we do here then uh, by all means please check out our patreon Dan Curto, welcome back to the cantina. 
Hello. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. It's great to have you back. So we've been talking this uh, Star Wars modern toy line retrospective. We've covered the power of the force. We've covered episode one. And now we're moving into the power of the Jedi. Yeah, this this was a great line. I mean, this was one of my favorite lines because it was the first time that everything was consolidated. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Power of the Force, you had the original trilogy to play with, and there was a big push for episode one. Everybody collected both, probably, if you were collecting back then. But uh-huh. this line really, like, brought everything together under a unified banner. And the, the graphics and the logo, like, really merged the two with Obi-Wan Kenobi jumping up in front of the Darth Vader helmet on the packaging, which was, like, really cool at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, it Absolutely. was just very nice yeah the first line to merge the original trilogy with the prequel trilogy um and yeah the the packaging i thought was very nice it was uh, it had a green and uh, yeah like you said a very prominent silhouette of darth vader's helmet and then uh obi-wan with his lightsaber ignited just kind of jumping up in the air um it, it was pretty catchy it was a departure from what we had been seeing with episode one on the shelves uh, and it was a little more similar, I suppose, to the power of the force in some ways, but uh, it was definitely something new, something fresh. And uh, let's see, what years did that run from? That that ran from 2000 until early 2002? Yes, it was, it was uh, two years long, um, filling in the gaps between episode one and episode two. Nice. And it also offered the first figures from the Attack of the Clones uh, film, uh, in that very final wave, which was basically the sneak preview wave, and that included Zam Wessel, Django Fett, R3-T7, and the very first clone trooper. That's, uh, we're going to get to this later, but that's one of my favorites of, of this line, was that clone trooper. I had so many of those, I just picked them up every time I saw them, <laughs> and I started customizing them to different poses and different, uh, you know, colors and whatnot, because they didn't... They didn't really make the different colored officers yet. Um, right. That came later on. So I just went nuts and just bought a ton of these. Um, and I was very excited to see, like, what was the story, you know, behind Django Fett and Boba Fett. Obviously, there was a connection there. But at the time, we were we didn't know what it was. So very, very cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we all know the history of... What ended up happening with the clones? It started off with this very first clone, and then it went absolutely... Hasbro went crazy and produced tons <laughs> and tons of clones after that. They did, for sure. And, and that was... Again, the, the design of the clone was sort of a... Um, kind of a callback to the old 50s design style with the fin on the helmet and uh, you know the full mm. mask and everything. And it had a little bit of a Stormtrooper element to it as well, which was really kind of cool. Um, but it was more streamlined, you know, like the uh, armor itself wasn't as bulky as the Stormtrooper armor. So I kind of wonder, like, what happened design-wise? Why did you uh, go from a kind of a bulky Stormtrooper outfit to a much more streamlined, uh, you know, clone trooper outfit? Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, one of those things where the prequels, a lot of the designs are a lot more sleek. They're a lot cleaner. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's... That's how it was when things were good in the Republic. <laughs> right. Um, so, Dan, what are your uh, f- most prominent memories of the Power of the Jedi line? Tell us a little bit about the things you remember about it. 
so after episode one um, was released, you know, a lot of people, I don't remember anybody really hating the movie. That sort of came later um, and then switched around. It was like, it was like episode one was sort of not uh, favored amongst the fans, but leading up to it, it was a huge joy for me because I was tracking down like all of the magazines that had anything to do with it. I, I still have like a, a huge box of like episode one magazines and TV guide covers and things like that. Uh-huh. And I even went crazy and I was, you know, this was uh, no TiVo back then um, or, or, you know, DVRs or anything like that. I had uh, a VHS tape where I would record like Entertainment Tonight and every time that they showed the trailer or any clip or any news story and I would record it and then splice them together so I eventually had like two hours of like one to two minute clips (laughs) and it was the same footage you know they just recycled it over and over but I was so excited to see like what was happening but then the movie came out and the toy line came out and everything was exciting, you know, Midnight Madness and everything. You guys talked about that in the, in the last show. And then it just sort of interest faded. <laughs> like I still collected, but in the, in the general world, I guess it wasn't as popular. So collecting wise, people didn't buy a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. And it was also kind of confusing because for, Again, regular collectors going into the store, you had the red look of episode one, and you had the green card backs from Power of the Force 2. So I was like, well, there are two Star Wars lines? What's happening here? I'm not really sure which one I should get. So an effort to combine this into one was very exciting as, as a fan, because it's sort of like you're starting over, in a way, with a new with the new Star Wars line, but the figures were now from all the movies, which at the time was four. Plus, they brought in a lot of characters from the expanded universe. So uh, the figures that were made weren't necessarily screen accurate. Uh Concept figures in there. They had characters based on the comic books. They had just really cool stuff. They took some chances. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very uh, varied and diverse line. For being as small and focused as it is, um, you definitely get... A pretty healthy helping of uh, prequel figures, original trilogy, and like you're saying, um, some expanded universe stuff that, um, you know, wasn't anything we saw in the films, of course, um, but, you know, helped to make the line um, pretty fleshed out and pretty healthy. And uh, there were also a couple army builders that uh, I think they started incorporating a little bit more heavily into the line. Um, with slight variations. And I'm thinking of things like that uh, scout trooper. I think there was something different about the two, wasn't there? Yeah, the uh, Scout Troopers started off, and that was that was a great um, sculpt because it was just, they had done a Scout Trooper previously, but he had the knees because he was sitting on the bike, and this one couldn't sit on the bike necessarily um, as well as the other one, but it uh, had a great pose and a great silhouette in there, and the, the blaster fit into a little holster on his boot, which was really kind of cool because you didn't really see a lot of that back then. Right. Um, and then they added like a, a variant uh, battle damaged, um, sort of like some carbon scoring on this armor. So there was like a clean version of the scout trooper and a carbon scoring dirty version, which we've seen plenty of times after that. But this was really the first time that they had done running changes um, that I can remember, except for the battle droids. Sure. 
yeah, uh, I'm thinking back to that era. And um, like you say, it was coming off of episode one, which was a huge product line. And after the initial push, a lot of the stuff just sat around for a long time. And it was hard for the stores to clear through it, as I recall. And um, th this line was a lot smaller. It was a lot more focused. Um, and I think that was probably to some extent uh, in response to, you know, just the glut of episode one product that was hanging around. Uh, they wanted to do something a little bit smaller. Hopefully that wouldn't hang around. And uh, I don't really recall a whole lot in terms of peg warming figures from this line. I'm, I'm sure that there, there were a few, but just off the top of my head, I'm not, I want to say maybe like the, uh, the cold weather Obi-Wan and, uh, uh, what else? I'm looking at looking at the picture here of all the basic figures. I know that one seemed to hang around a little bit, uh, and maybe the uh, the Obi Wan that has the the cloak on it. Uh, what do you think? What do you what do you recall about that era from as far as peg warmers go? I mean, in, initially when when the line started, a lot of the figures were carryovers from what they had planned for um, either Episode One or Power of the Force. So like the Princess Leia, uh, Rebel General was a slightly tweaked version of a figure that they had done in Power of the Force 2. The Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm sorry, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn with the poncho was actually a European exclusive that didn't come out in the States, and you could only get it with a, a creature. Hmm. So it was sort of like, we're, we're giving the fans a chance to pick up on some of these figures that they might have missed, um, but we also are bringing in some new characters as well, which was which was sort of fun, but as far as peg warmers are concerned, um, I don't really remember not being able to find anything in the stores. I mean, sometimes they, it wasn't a organized release. If we, like nowadays, everybody knows what wave is coming out. Uh huh. Okay, back in 2000, uh, 2001, I mean, there was an internet, and obviously, you know, websites uh, were were uh, tracking a lot of this stuff. But it wasn't as well organized and planned, the waves, when they came out. It was sort of like a mixed, you know, we're going to have five figures here, and then later on we'll have, like, three more figures coming out. I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait till I find them, because <laughs> this is crazy trying to hunt them all down. But when you did go into the store and find them, like, you know, it, it was like Christmas every day. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting time, and uh, as far as, like, toy hunting experiences go... Um, what was that like for you? You mentioned a little bit of, about how they weren't really released uh, the way that toy figures in this line are released these days. Um, but what do you recall as far as like toy hunting and distribution back from that era? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because distribution has sort of become a four-letter word over the years. <laughs> and it, it's just really bad. So people, you go into stores like Walmart or Target and you just... Who knows what you're going to find? You know, you find older figures that have been sitting there for probably a year or more. Um, new stuff, if it comes in, it tends to fly out. So a lot of collectors, and, and myself included to some degree, uh, just go straight online or go to eBay or something like that. And, um, with this line, that was the fun of toy collecting. And, you know, the, for me, it's still, that's why I still go to the stores. Because part of the fun of collecting is the hunt going to the stores, seeing what there is, and just that that emotion that you get when you see a new figure that you don't have. You know, it's like, oh, they have this. Oh, I so want it in my collection. 
And there's always that joy um, that I think many, every collector probably experiences, no matter what you're collecting. But back in this time, I mean, there were a lot more options, too. I mean, obviously, sad to say, Toys R Us, no longer with us, but they were around and plenty of places to find things. Um, KB Toys, that was another one. I remember going there quite often. Uh, trying to think. Uh, I had moved to Rochester at that point. I'm in the house that I'm in now. So we had just um, taken you know, ownership of the house in 99 so i was here for about a year my kids were young so they were not collecting but they were very interested to see what daddy was doing with all these <laughs> stuff um and sometimes they would go with me you know and even though they didn't want to collect them themselves but it was kind of fun to be into the this hobby and it's like daddy do you do you need this green alien do you need this you know version of padme or no what <laughs> wasn't Padme she was Amidala like we knew the yeah. difference but they had uh, they had the red dress Amidala the black dress Amidala and then the Padme handmaiden which was the disguise right so what Sabe Sabe yes um, and my daughter was she was very into all of that obviously so she liked it that she could help me find some of this stuff. She is now grown and hates all this, but <laughs> at the time she was a cute little girl who just wanted to go shopping with her dad. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Um, thinking back to that time, I, I, I think I was mostly going to Walmart and Target um, to find these uh, Toys R Us. We didn't have in my hometown. Uh, the nearest one was about a half hour away and that one actually opened I, I think in 2001 and I remember my mom took us on opening day and um you know we went straight to the Star Wars section of course when doors opened and um you know they they did have they did have a healthy selection of of Power of the Jedi toys there um I remember getting like the 300th uh, figure Boba Fett which we'll talk about in just a little bit that was there and uh, they had some like the Elors Matic and um, pretty nice little selection there for a brand new um, Toys R Us at the time. And uh, we did have KB Toys. That was in the local mall. And uh, that was another place where I'd go and look for these. Now, I, I know at KB Toys, figures were always like a dollar more or something. So uh, we would always hope, you know, as kids, when you don't really have a lot of money to spend on toys, you're kind of hoping, okay, well, I hope if I find it, it's going to be at Walmart or Target where it's going to be a dollar or two dollars cheaper, whatever it was. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, thinking back to, back to this, this era, I think this was when I was, uh, I, I was still a kid, but I was, you know, like, I was a little bit older. I was, you know, I was just starting high school at, at this time, uh, yeah. that this line was out and wasn't yet able to drive. So I couldn't, you know, lug myself around from store to store like I did later, but, um, you know, I was, uh, of course, using every opportunity that my mom was going to the stores to, to tag along and see what I could find. Um, so I didn't, I didn't become quite as well versed with the whole like idea of distribution, what figures are hard to find and which are, are not as hard to find until maybe the, the saga line in 2002, 2003. But, um, I, I definitely had you know, a pretty good impression uh, just from seeing what was on the pegs, you know, w which ones were a little bit easier to come by and which ones weren't. Uh, but yeah, it, it was such an interesting time too, because like we were mentioning earlier, this was a merging of 
both eras of Star Wars films. At the time, there were just, you know, the prequels and or episode one more specifically and uh, the original trilogy and then a little bit of expanded universe. So um, this line did offer some really interesting stuff. And I think any time that Hasbro and Kenner, you know, came off of like a non-movie year, like they were kind of able to go a little bit deeper on some of the selections of figures. And I think that was certainly the case here as well. Well, that's that's an interesting point that you bring up because an, one of the things that I've always seen, um, whenever there's a movie line, they're they're planning and and producing the figures long before the movie comes out. So if there's any changes to the characters, they're not able to catch up. So sometimes the figures come out and they don't quite look like they did in the film. Right. They look more like the concept art or pre-production photos, but, you know, as George is likely to do back then, he, he would decide, you know, I don't really like the way that looks, so we're going we're gonna to change this character. Um, in, the, in the episode one line, they had a pod racer announcer that was packed with uh, Jabba the Hutt. Looked nothing at all like he did <laughs> on screen <laughs> because it was part of the concept art. So this line was able to give them a chance to rectify that and create a new version that was more screen accurate. And I almost wish, well, I don't wish, but I almost wish that they wouldn't make action figures until a year after a movie comes out, just because we could get that more accurate uh, look. <laughs> but no, I, I like the way that they, uh, you know, I like it timed to the film. It, obviously, you want to sell more that way. Right. Yeah, wasn't it in the Saga line 2002 when they released, I think it was a, a massive, like like with a Geonosian? Yes. Yeah, that, that was another thing. It was like uh, the, the massives we only saw in Tatooine, so maybe at some point they planned for them to be in the arena and the concept art or whatnot. But and then and they later released it with a Tusken Raider that yeah. originally came out in this line. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah good point. Gave it a creature, the same creature. Yeah, though that's exactly that's exactly it. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of fun to nitpick all that kind of stuff, but I just like that they have all these different versions um, of all the characters. And plus, this line, it, not initially, like the first the first wave, um, well, like I said, was kind of carryovers from the previous waves or previous toy lines, but they started to really pay attention to scale in power of, of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So Chewbacca was considerably taller than everybody else, and Princess Leia was considerably shorter than everyone else. I'm thinking of yeah. the um, Bespin Escape Leia. She was way shorter than Han Solo, and, and Chewbacca, the, the mechanic version, was way taller. And it was like really kind of cool that they were paying that close attention to that. Right. And they hadn't necessarily done that before. And you, you talked previously, Power of the Force 2, everybody had superhero proportions. And, <laughs> Um, that still was the case into some of the episode one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that lay, I remember uh, on the forums and like the force.net forums and the Jedi council forums, people were calling that Leia Lil Leia. And it's like, when you saw it in, in the store in the package, she looked puny. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty well-rounded line. So it looks like here, uh, and we're using, uh, rebelscum.com to look at the photo archives for the Power of the Jedi line. So I will put a link to that in the show notes in case anybody listening would like to follow along with us. Um, but looking here at the basic figures, and I assume you photograph most of these? I photographed all of these. <laughs> nice. That's why, 
laughing. I'm like, yes. You know, it's 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 heartwarming to 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 hear that people still use this. I mean, I spent a lot of time back in the day creating this, and I I made this gallery years after the line came out, which is easier to do than trying to do it as as the line is happening. Um, but the fact that people are still using it and referencing it, it uh, it really does. I feel I feel really good about that. Yeah, you should, because it's a very good resource. I use it constantly, uh, and I have since since probably around the time you made, you made it, I guess. Um, but yeah, so looking at the figures here, um, there's quite a few of them. Uh, it's not a huge line. It is more compact than some of the other lines like Power of the Force or Episode One. Um, but just looking over the images here of the figures, it's exactly like you were saying earlier, you know, prequels, original trilogy, a little bit of a mix of, uh, expanded universe and, um, a little bit more, um, like tertiary type characters. Like there's Tebow, there's, uh, some of the Jedi, uh, council, like Sacy Tin, uh, Plo Koon, there's even droids like FX7, um, oh. And even uh, Boshek from the Cantina, some very obscure wow. characters that made their way into this line. One of one of my collecting friends is is also pretty well known, Adam Paulus. He used to have a saying on the sites that he worked on that they will never make a Boshek action figure, <laughs> and uh, they did. And and he looks great. They've they've never done him again. Um, so he still holds up, and he comes with a, a blaster that can store in a holster and a removable helmet, um, which which was, at, at, you know, that was another thing about this line, is they started giving all the characters that had these removable helmets. And that wasn't done a lot in, in the previous lines, um, but when they started doing, like, the X-Wing pilots and... Uh, you know the Boshek I just mentioned, and some of some of the other characters that had helmets. The fact that they were making them removable was kind of exciting because mm. it just hadn't been done. I mean, as a kid, Luke's helmet never came off. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a cool aspect of this line is that they started getting a little bit more detail focused and um, offering a little bit more with the figures than we used to see in, uh, in the years prior to this line. Um, now, of course, like any any good Star Wars line, you have your main character. So we have a Luke, we have a Han, we have a Leia. We got our Vaders, we got our Mauls, uh, our Qui Gon, our Obi Wan. So they did cover their bases pretty well in terms of getting like the main cast of characters in there. Yes. The other thing, as I'm looking through all this too, is I'm looking at the same page that you are, and I actually dug out all my figures uh, anticipation for this, and I'm kind of looking through. <laughs> So they're, they're on the table over here next to me. Um, but the other thing that was interesting in this line, I mean, we all like kind of look at five POA figures these days as, as a bad thing. And that's not necessarily the case, but that's kind of how Star Wars figures always were. Up until somewhere around 98, 99, you started seeing like, arms that would swivel a little bit differently mm -hmm. there were no ball hinges in anything yet um but one of the figures in this line that i always thought was really cool was the rebel fleet trooper uh -huh. because he had a type of articulation that and there, like i said there were no hinges yet they they made the swivel joint on an angle so that he could stand and then if he swiveled it the right way he could kneel mm-hmm so it was kind of, I don't think they've done that since, <laughs> because yeah. it 
didn't necessarily, you know, it did work, but it didn't necessarily look good. And then they came out with a way to do a, a hinge inside, which obviously made it a lot better. Yeah. Um, but that was very groundbreaking at the time, and this was probably 2001, maybe, when that figure came out, 2002. It was one of the later figures, I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they're in chronological order on the picture here, if I recall. Um, so, yeah, that that looks like it's more towards the end of the, of the line. Uh, these, are, uh, these are in alphabetical order. Ah, alphabetical order. And, you know, you mentioned the... the sort of tertiary so c-level characters right this was another way i've always been a fan of cantina aliens and java denizens i mean yes the main characters are very obviously very important but i like the background aliens and you know like what's their story and and this line really took advantage of that and they included a lot of these characters that i don't think you would you would get these days you right. know you're not gonna see like the fifth cantina alien on the right. First of all, if they haven't made them by now, they're probably never going to. <laughs> um, but this one had, you know, um, gosh, what the heck was his name? Ketwall. Ketwall. Right? An alien that was added into the special edition. And if you if you lift up his, well, he has a, like a robe. You take the robe off, his pants come off and reveal, that sounds weird, but they did. <laughs> his pants come off. And reveal that the alien is a tiny little alien on stilts. Yeah, I mean it's just not a detail you're going to see in the film. Nuh-uh. yeah, that 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 was a very fun figure for sure. Um, it, it, it's funny because you would never guess that it had a feature like this, but yeah, you pull those pants off and you see its tiny mm -hmm. feet that are standing on these stilts. Right, and it, it's funny because that that. Um, alien head was also used for another cantina alien and I always suspected at some point that they might create that one but they never did they didn't Malos I think is the name of the yeah yeah it's, and uh... only other heads in the film right so the rest mm -hmm. of it was totally up to interpretation and that's why I'm saying like they really push the envelope a bit for some of these some of these characters and some of these figures and you mentioned fx7 that figure is fantastic. It still holds up today. Yep. Yeah, it does. And um, it really does. I don't think they they haven't updated this figure since then, right? I think didn't they do something similar maybe in Revenge of the Sith, but not exactly. They did a different um, a different droid. I think it was FX six. Ah, that's right. It was an earlier version, but I mean, arguably, this figure has the most points of articulation of any Star Wars figure. I think you're right. Because it has so many arms. <laughs> it's an awesome figure, too. I think any of those robots based on the original trilogy are just so fun. Yeah. And, and you know, if you think about it, looking at back on these, um, a lot of them have been re-released over the years in various forms. And it just kind of shows how how well they hold up. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, for sure. And uh, some of them were also, uh, there was a wave in the Saga line the following uh, a year or two after this line ended um, where they were repacking some of the figures from this uh, from this line. I don't remember exactly why they repacked them, but I remember seeing Tebow on a Saga card. Eeth yep. um, um, Koth was on, on the Saga card. Uh, I think also the Imperial Trooper was, was reissued in that line. Yeah. And maybe the another. Imperial Officer... Mm -hmm. He was released um, 
twice because they gave him a different head. So this is another running change uh, that they had started. But this was the first version. Yes, yes. There's another one who's got the elbows that allow him to stand holding the gun, or he can put his arms like behind his back, like he's standing at attention, you know? Absolutely. Or at ease. Attention, your arms down at your sides. Yeah. Definitely when Hasbro started figuring out that they could offer the same figure, slightly different, and that we would buy it. Yes. And, and you know, there there's definitely something to be said for carry forwards, if you will. I think that's, that's the term that uh, some of the Hasbro team uses because that was always the case back in Kenner. The, the, the Chewbacca figure never changed, but he was released on a different card. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so sort of like, well, we've always done that. I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, there was a lot of chances taken there. You think back, um, the Dagobah Darth Vader that had a removable head and and removable face mask, and the the cape itself was uh, translucent. You could see, you would partly see through it, so it had like a ghostly sort of effect to it. Yes, and uh, as I noted earlier, they covered their bases with the main characters, and we actually had two Vaders in that line, so there was that one, and then there was the very mm-hmm. first, I think this was the very first Emperor's Wrath Darth Vader, wasn't it? Yes. And yeah. uh, what was cool about that one is you it glue in the dark, didn't it? Glue, I don't think glue's the <laughs> It glowed <laughs> in the dark, so like it had a skull underneath the helmet, and uh, it would glow in the dark. That was really cool. And both of those figures, although I don't think they ever released it again with the removable head, but they were they were those body types were used in uh, subsequent releases, uh, but now with more of a uh, solid feature, I guess. Yes. yes. So they definitely again. It, it just goes to show you that they reuse and you know rinse and repeat, but uh, the sculpts still held up. And, you know, those those two Vader figures, if you look at them side by side, again, you start seeing more attention to detail in proportions because one is considerably more uh, uh, bigger buffer than the other. Right. You know, uh, even with the two Chewbacca's, so there's one sitting down at a Dejaric table was a lot shorter than the one standing up with the mechanics tools. Uh-huh. Yeah, that Dejaric table is so fun. Yes. I always tried to fit it into my Millennium Falcon, and it just doesn't quite fit. It, no, that's true. It doesn't. <laughs> um, and then um, I got to mention the Darth Maul. So there's two Darth Mauls in this line. There is the Sith Apprentice version. This one's based off of, I guess, concept art of Darth Maul. And then there's also the final dual Darth Maul, which has a really cool feature. It actually splits in half so that you can reenact that moment when Obi-Wan slices him down the middle. And um, it, it has magnets, doesn't it, that hold it in place? It does, yes. And um, uh, there was a similar figure released the year prior in the Episode 1 line, but that was part of an exclusive two-pack that didn't get wide distribution because it was towards the end of the line. Mm. So this is another one of those. And it's slightly different. It's not quite an exact um, re-release. But it's just one of those things that, like I said, they, they brought some of the... I don't want to say greatest hits because I don't think it's the best Darth Maul figure from the line, but they definitely brought in, you know, the uh, the characters and the uh, design elements into this one. Yes, which was cool. And if you look, if you look at some of the figures, like Boss Nass, for example, um, he was considerably taller than the previous release, mm-hmm. and 
more screen accurate, and <laughs> it's it it was just it's nice to see more attention paid to that. And I I don't think I'm trying to remember. I don't think they've ever revisited this character. Yeah, I, I don't think so. After, yeah, I think they made two versions, and the first one was way too short and had a very goofy cloak. <laughs> right, right. And uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, so we got to mention, we have to mention that uh, Jack Porkins is in this line. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he was great. He was a great. Fr- you know, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around to the page a bit but there's uh, a lot of great sculpting in this line a lot of details and the, the paint applications they weren't just like simple paint applications there's a lot of shading there's a lot of um, different masks I guess they call it uh, that they used mm. here and it, even the Jack Porkins he has a little bit I mean he's got a beard but he's got a little bit of a shadow on him which is cool Nice right. detail. Yeah, I see that. That is very cool. Um, uh, we also have to mention that this was the very first line to actually receive a fan choice figure in it. Mm. And that ended up being um, Elorismatic, uh, the Cantina alien, the Duros. Uh, and uh, we never got the second one that he was talking to in the Cantina scene. Almost. But, um, yeah. We almost. <laughs> right. Yeah, but this uh, yeah this was a this was a huge thing back then. Uh, fans being able to vote for uh, an action figure to be made in the toy line, and uh, it ended up being initially, as I recall, a very popular figure. It was hard to obtain, um, but then I kind of remember it saturating a good bit afterward. Is, was that your memory as well? Yeah, this was definitely one of those peg warmers after a while. Um, so I mentioned that I really love the Cantina aliens, but most other collectors, it seems, don't. <laughs> oh, I I love Oops. them too. <laughs> but I, I I joked before because this was a this was another example of of you know really Hasbro listening to the fans and trying to get their input in this not only through a through a fans choice poll but if I recall at the time um, they updated their website uh, quite frequently to show you the progression as this figure was being developed. So you got to see like some of the early drawings. Um, you got to see some of the uh, uh, sculpted photos as it was being made. It was long before it, it was released, so it was kind of a sneak peek. Uh-huh. But it was really cool to follow that along. And, you know, it came out in its fans' choice figure number one, um, which was great. It was great to see. And I still – this is – I think a fantastic figure. Oh yeah, it's a it's a beautiful figure, and um, one of the things I love about it is like it kind of has this iridescent sort of costume. Um, mm-hmm. It has like a like a like a very like pearly looking like shimmer in the in, when you move it around. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I joked before because um, years later, this was one of the figures I was trying to convince Hasbro to re-release. But the other version, I go, if you take this guy's head, put it on this character's body, and you can kind of switch it around a little bit, they just, they weren't buying it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but I don't know if we're ever going to get that second Duros. I don't think so. Um, like I said, some of the Cantina aliens, I mean, considering the slots 
that are open and all of the different movies that are out now, I think it would be very difficult to find, um, you know, a character like that into the into the Star Wars line, which is which is kind of a shame, but it's totally understandable. You know, there's a new movie every year now, so they have to, you know, really focus on that mostly. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one more figure I want to highlight here before we move on. And this one almost made my top five, which we'll get into our top five lists in a little bit. But uh, I got to mention Shmi Skywalker because this is yes. the only Shmi Skywalker they ever did. And I think it's a very good figure. When you look at the likeness, it has a, a very close likeness to Pernilla August, who played the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also the mother of freaking Anakin Skywalker. So <laughs> it's a very important figure. And, and this is another one. I mean, the sculpting on her and the deco on her is so well done that they really, you know, other than adding articulation points, I don't think they have to redo this this figure again. It's just, it's really nice. It's really nicely done. It and is. who ever thought we would get this character? I know. We're, we're never going to get Shmi again. So if, if, and like I said, when you think about it, I mean, she's Anakin's Darth Vader's mother, so probably a pretty important figure. If you don't own that one, they're not very expensive on eBay. Definitely go and check that out. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't look at uh, some of the eBay prices these days on, on any of the stuff I collect because, I mean, I already have it, so it's difficult to go back. But um, just, again, before we, we branch off, I, I also really like, although I don't believe it's very screen accurate, I always liked the Bespin security guard. Mm-hmm. because he came with a number of accessories and they all like strapped to his body. He had a blaster that fit in the holster and then a baton and handcuffs that like plugged into the sort of like his belt area. I don't know. I always thought that was cool. It had a lot of our, uh, he had the elbow swivel articulation I was talking about earlier um, and a removable cap. The old Bespin guard never did that. Yeah, that that is actually a cool figure. I just pulled up the picture again. This is one of those that I got uh, that Toys R Us I mentioned earlier on grand opening day. Uh, this was one of them that I bought, and it's because my mom actually liked it for some reason or other. Um, I think it's because of the face. Like the figure has a very, it's kind of almost a funny looking face, but um, I think that's what it was. She liked the way that it looked. He just looked, you know, di- unique. Um, so that was the reason I picked him up. But yeah, it's a very nice looking figure, especially when you look at the costume, like the texturing on it is really nice. You know, another another fun fact, <laughs> pun intended, um, these came with fact files. So yes. little little pamphlets, if you will, that folded out and they included facts and information and background data on, on all of the characters that you didn't know about from watching the films. And a lot of times you learn for the first time, like, oh, that's what that weapon is called, or that's where this character is from. And I didn't know that they knew this. And they would pull on some of the stories from the comics or the novels, depending where the character was from. Um, yeah. And that was fascinating. I always I always really liked that uh, attention to detail. And I have all of those fact files saved in a binder somewhere in my garage. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, that's a very important uh, piece of information to bring up is the pack-in that these particular figures had was the Force file. And they were very informative. Um, And what I'm finding interesting about it, looking at it again, is that the current uh, Mattel Jurassic World toys, the Dino Rivals, 
They come with these little cards that have very similar information. Like I'm looking at this one right now for the Bespin Guard. It has statistics. It has mm-hmm. the strength. It has speed. It has endurance. And it has intelligence. Which mm-hmm. other than endurance, uh, which on the Jurassic uh, card is is actually ferocity, um, is almost identical to what we're getting on those cards these days. So uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, it was it again. This is part of the the fun of collecting. You know that uh, you, you you don't you don't necessarily think of. You know, I'm looking at Elors Elors Madak, and turns out he's buddies with Ketwall. So who knew? <laughs> and he hates Greedo. <laughs> <You know? laughs> these are these are the types of things you're just not gonna know otherwise. Of course. <laughs> Um, so one thing that was interesting as we get into the deluxe figures that were available in this line, these were at the $9.99 price point, is that Hasbro turned around and did a second fan choice figure and, mm-hmm. and that made it into the same exact line. So they, they turned around pretty quickly off of that first one. And that second uh, fan choice figure was none other than a mana man with Salacious Crumb. Yes. The phenomenal figure awesome update to uh you know one of the, the classic uh aliens from Jabba's palace and came with a staff with three skulls hanging on it and it was just scu- great sculpting and and also charred remains of you know probably one of the larses unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> um uh it, it's it was it was it was a nice way to have that figure come out and because of the size it, it was great to release it in the deluxe line because the the packaging was bigger the card back was bigger and you know the, this deluxe line i like to call it the half-dressed line <laughs> because every figure wasn't fully clothed <laughs> Ooh, that's a really good point yeah. <laughs> i mean there's only four but you have a man of man who doesn't wear clothes right darth maul and his sith training outfit from concept art and also from the comics and he doesn't wear a shirt so you got to see its tattoos for the first time uh-huh. that was really cool and again the scale was paid attention to he's short yep so ray park is not a tall guy neither was this darth maul figure so that was that was kind of nice yeah definitely <clears throat> Princess Leia in her slave outfit with with a uh, soft good skirt. I think that was the first time that they had done that. She was also short. Comes with a giant cannon that can go well on the sail barge, I'm certain. Uh-huh. When you get that uh, this week, test that out. All right. Uh, and then Luke Skywalker in his in his diaper outfit in the back of the tank. Yeah. Yeah. I love that figure. I don't know. That set is is kind of goofy. But I really love that they made it, and I really love that the back of the tank itself is able to um, have FX7 sit into the support. Yes. Right? They actually made a spot for him. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. These are all um, pretty great figures, uh, especially I, the, like the Luke. It's a very unique set. If you want to back the tank, I don't remember them ever releasing it again after this. Oh. And... Um, yeah, I mean, this was, for $10, I mean, you really can't beat what you got in these sets. And uh, going back to Amanda Man, that was actually, um, it, it's a very interesting figure. It's one that I actually like a lot. Um, 
I, I think that the sculpt is very nice on the figure. The uh, the corpse accessory that it comes with is a bit gruesome. I'm still a little surprised they actually <laughs> did that. Um, even when you yeah, think right? back to Return of the Jedi, that seems like an, a gruesome detail to have had in there. But yeah. <laughs> um, I remember the staff. The staff that he has was the biggest issue I had with this set because it would start sagging after a little while. Yeah. But he also... I. I'm trying to remember because, well, I can look him up because he's probably, yeah, he's right here. He, uh, he has the hinged shoulders. So I was talking before about um, having the swivel joints on the knees and everything. They didn't really do hinges back then. This one does. This one has it. It's, it's hidden underneath the body. Hmm. But it's not just like a straight swivel. You can move his arms up and down and side to side. So there's something I hadn't uh, remembered until this moment. Yeah, yeah. These are and all... Mm-hmm. The, sorry, the, the deco on this one, again, lots of nice shading and really textured um, paint applications on it. And y- you don't... I mean, you do see it on some figures, but this was really, like, it's fan's choice. You're going to pull out all the stops. Right. Yeah, most definitely. They want to make sure they're... During those non-movie years when the kids aren't buying, that the adults are still staying interested in this stuff. Right. Um, so let's see. Uh, after Deluxe, it looks like there is a multi-packs. Uh, there's a couple sets. There's one that has Darth Vader and Darth Maul. Um, mm-hmm. Was this an exclusive somewhere? Because I don't feel like I remember seeing this one. No, I don't think it was an exclusive. I'm trying to remember where I got it. It was probably like at a Walmart or something like that. But... Um, it, it wasn't, the figures are not great. Um, it's just sort of a way to, again, bridge the two trilogies and bring out the two main villains um, for, for newer collectors. But uh, nothing really spectacular about either one of these figures, and I think that they've both um, been done better in other versions. Mm-hmm. But both of these figures were re-released pretty heavily. <laughs> Right. So this set may not have seen a, a large distribution, which is, uh, you know, I guess good if you're a completist and you want to get these figures, but you miss the set. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a decent set if you don't have them, but if you probably do and you don't, don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another multi-pack that has Vader, uh, X-Wing Luke, uh, Rebel Trooper, and Sand Trooper. Um, I'm guessing this was an exclusive Maybe in Mexico or in Spain, because it says on the bottom, figuras de colección. So, yes. So that that was, um, I gotta say, probably Mexico. They have, they have uh, a history of, for some reason, exclusive packaging in their shows, and and it's like a legit thing. Like they they have gotten it. I I remember that when this came out, it was like, okay, well the figures are exactly the same, so I'm not really too worried about trying to collect it because i'm an opener anyway but it's uh it's a great set and you see this a lot um even now uh-huh. uh, repacks of, of of figures uh just for newer collectors and, and to make it a little bit of exclusive to that particular show that was pretty cool yeah yeah let's see play sets we have a carbon freezing chamber uh still one of the coolest play sets ever i have to say i mean not as cool as a death star 
Um, but I, I like this playset. Yeah, it says fan club exclusive. I never owned this, and pro it's probably largely because it was a fan club exclusive. And I know I was a member of the Star Wars fan club for a time, but I kind of feel like maybe in this 2001, I, I feel like maybe I fell out of that. Yes, if, if now I might be wrong on this, but if memory serves, um, the fan club was part of the Star Wars Insider magazine? Yes. So you, you had to be a subscriber to the magazine, I think. You had to be a subscriber, or you had to be a member of the fan club, um, but then you could order it through the magazine. Mm. I might be wrong about that, but I mean, that's how you would get this particular set. Yeah, that, um, that sounds about correct. I do think I remember the Insider being like part of the fan club, and then later they started selling it separate? Is that correct? Yeah, well... Um, Hmm. This the set itself. I I don't believe this ever was available in stores. No, but the the Insider magazine itself. Oh, yes, you can you can buy that um, in stores now. But I think this was another one of those things that was kind of a carryover from Power of the Force Two, and it just never got released because the playsets uh, up until recently. Playsets have sort of fallen out of favor, and they weren't really very popular, unless it was part of like a new movie. So this one, like I said, this one remains one of my favorites because it was a very iconic scene. It was the only really way to get this, other than like the Micro World set from the '80s and the uh, the Sears exclusive Cantina, or I'm not Cantina, uh, Cloud City playset from. I want to say 1980 or 1981, that had the Dengar and Bespin Han, Lobot, oh, and the Ugnot from the Kenner days, mm. like vintage, vintage. But it was cardboard, you know? And one of my friends had that, and we would always drop figures down into the little hole to see who, who would get frozen in carbonite. But <laughs> Yeah, this, that sounds fun. This was unique, and, and, and I don't know, I, I thought it was interesting because the carbon freeze block if you will was designed so that any figure could really be frozen in it but it, it was a little case that opened up put the figure in and closed it and there was like a, a cloth cover so the figure would sort of sort of poke out through it just not very well <laughs> um and it came with an exclusive bespin guard that i'm Pretty certain borrowed heavily from other figures for the body construction, but the head was new. And I can tell you right now, I know the Hasbro employee this head is based on. Oh, wow. So, um, he's, he's forever immortalized in plastic as one of the goofiest looking face sculpts they've ever done. That's awesome. Um, so looking at the vehicles here, uh, let's see, we have the B-Wing fighter. Uh, was this uh, was this brand new, or was this a re retool or a repaint of an existing version? So a lot of the vehicles um, for the original trilogy were the same molds used back in the original line. So the, the old Kenner line, the X-wing, the Tie Fighter, the Millennium Falcon, back in Power Force Two, they were all the same tools and molds that they had done previously. You started to see new vehicles with Episode One, obviously. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, what was it? Shadows of the Empire with the Dash Rendar's Outrider, which was brand new. 
but uh, the B-Wing was uh, based on the old mold. The TIE Interceptor was based on the old mold. But the TIE Bomber, brand spanking new. Mm. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's TIE Bomber here trying to open the, uh, get the link to open up. Um, yeah, uh, it looks like, as I wait for it, uh, some of these other ones were definitely repurposed, as you noted, like Luke Skywalker Snowspeeder, uh, the ATST. That's the same good old vintage ATST uh, making another appearance, and it's come back a few times over the years. Um, but yeah, the Tide Bomber, it's, uh, I mean, you can definitely see a little bit more detail sculpted into it, I want to say, like into the actual, like, hull. Um, it well, it looks have, like it's got a little bit more going on. They'd never done the Tie Bomber before. So this is its very first appearance, and it says here it was a Walmart exclusive? Yes. The figure itself is sort of a kit bash of of the Power of the Force 2 figure upper body, but then it had new legs added to it. Mm. Uh, and then the same exact pilot was available with the TIE Interceptor as well. So there was no no difference between the two um, sculpts. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's see. Other uh, assortments here. Um, 25th anniversary. Okay, so I remember these pretty well. I remember seeing them especially like at Toys R Us. Um, mm. So these were meant to commemorate the 25th anniversary of A New Hope. Uh, there was Han Solo and Chewbacca, there was Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, and there was Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Darth Maul. Do you remember these ones? No, I have to correct you. That was uh, Ben Kenobi and Darth Vader. Ah. So so I always like to think of the Alec Guinness version of the character as Ben, because that's how we were introduced to him in A New Hope, and that's how I always think of him. And Obi-Wan was his younger version, so... Later on, to avoid confusion, somebody somewhere decided to call him Obi-Wan throughout. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But for me, I always call him Ben. I can dig that. And these two, these three, I'm sorry, these three sets were very cool in the package. But when you took them out of the package and tried to play with the figures, they were stuck in that pose. <laughs> which looks great in that particular scene but not so great when they're by themselves. Specifically, Luke and Leia, who have their arms around each other. Well, they're not hugging. They're just like one arm around each other as they're leaning back about ready to swing. And if you take Leia away by herself, she looks really weird with her arm like sticking way out <laughs> into nothing. One of the things that I loved about these particular sets, and, and also actually uh, the Darth Vader and Darth Maul set we talked about before, were the display pieces that they came with so little um environmental stands with pegs for the feet and everything mm. um that didn't necessarily especially with the 25th anniversary they didn't necessarily connect to each other but they were part of the death star yes right? and that's where all these those scenes took place so it was kind of cool because you you again fans really wanted it a death star and they're slowly giving us little pieces of <laughs> Yeah, it's only going to take time. them 30 years, but maybe we'll, uh, we'll get just, there. You know, I'm sure we will. Yeah, I remember these um, pretty well. I know that I had, I, I don't think I had these sets specifically, but, oh, wow, Han Solo has a really bad haircut. <laughs> um, yeah. I had the Obi-Wan and the Vader, but I, I know it wasn't from this set. I'm pretty sure they repacked them, like, in one of those commemorative DVD or packs or, you know, one of those 
home media releases where they would, you know, offer like at Walmart or Kmart or wherever those, uh, those multi-packs. And I'm pretty sure that those two were in one of those multi-packs at some point. The, oh, I'm trying to think the Darth Vader, I believe, and I, I can check really quickly, I believe was made available again as a Celebration 3 exclusive that had a sound chip with James Earl Jones' voice in it. But the, the figure itself was nothing really new, but the packaging is what made it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not certain that Kenobi was made available again. Um, but even, like, you, you mentioned the Han Solo, so I'm looking at Han Solo and Chewbacca. I mean, they're in that, in that classic pose where they're all getting ready to shoot the stormtroopers above them but if you hold the figure separately they're all squatted over and hunched down you know which is a little strange by themselves out of context the vehicles themselves they came with the pilots yes yeah something they just started doing a couple years ago once again yes and the the um tie fighter pilots i did mention before how that those were constructed but the B-Wing came with a Sullustin pilot, so uh, Nine Num, uh, his alien race, that uh, in a white flight suit with with the tubes that you could actually plug into the B-Wing, which was which was kind of fun. One of the tubes plugged into a little hole in the cockpit. Huh. And the Snowspeeder came with um, Luke Skywalker, slightly retooled from the Power of the Force 2, and then a, a DAC router, which was the first time that that figure was ever made. And then the ATST and the speeder bike from Endor came with a, I believe, still unnamed Ewok pilot. Hmm. I don't think, is this, well, I don't know, I could be wrong. This might be Paplu. Let me just double check. Yeah, no, it's Paplu, sorry. Um, and it's funny because that was a figure that I did not have for many, many, many years. Um, but I ended up getting, because I didn't buy this set. I said, well, I have a ATST. I have a, three of them at this point, and I have like <laughs> 25 speeder bikes. I really don't need to buy this, but I want that Paplu figure, but I'm not going to you know, spend $30 for a, for a figure. Um, years later, I picked them up loose on eBay, probably for $30. So, you know, that, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, no, I, lo- gotta love it i don't think i spend that much on it but it is possible yeah the, the things we do as collectors to uh to make sure we get everything we need <laughs> well i always like to have one of each figure not necessarily the vehicles themselves but you know especially nowadays i i, I struggle sometimes because the the cool stuff comes out uh, I'm thinking most recently there was a, a BB-8 playset that opened up into it was a Death Star, but it wasn't a Death Star. But oh my God, didn't it look exactly like a Death Star? Yep. <laughs> and I couldn't buy it. I'm like, I, what am I going to do with this thing? It's so big. It was like, you know, whatever price it was, expensive. Um, but then uh, I found the, but you, it was the only way at the time you could get Snoke and the uh, Praetorian Guard. Mm-hmm. with that particular helmet because there's three different helmets right and uh eventually i found uh, well they re-released snoke um by himself but then i got the guard uh loose on ebay so again this is the type of thing i i want to collect all the figures but i don't necessarily need all of the vehicles and accessories and play sets and stuff like that 
Yeah. Yeah, I feel kind of similarly to a, to a pretty strong degree. It's like I, I've always focused primarily on the figures. Um, I love the vehicles and, you know, some of the play sets, but um, yeah, obviously those take up a lot more room. So I'm always focused. You, I want to get one of every figure, but they make it hard when they do it. Or like you're saying, you know, you got to get the whole play set or you got to buy another vehicle of, of a vehicle you might already have just to get like the one figure. But mm -hmm. that's how it's always been. <laughs> um, so I just sent you a link. Uh, this was I, f I found it. The it was the commemorative commemorative episode for DVD collection, uh, a New Hope set, uh, Walmart exclusive from two thousand six in the Saga collection, where it had that Obi Wan, that Vader, and it had good old Power of the Force two Luke Skywalker. Uh -huh. That's how that's how I ended. I know I I had never bought those twenty fifth set, so that this is how I had to have ended up with those two figures. Uh, but let's see here. Going back. All right. So we're at the sneak preview figures. And we touched on those uh, a little bit earlier on. Uh, we got Clone Trooper, Django Fett. Um, the, uh, we got Zam Wessel. And then the droid is R3T7, which had a clear dome, which I always thought was a pretty cool little feature. Yeah, that was the first, the first time that we got a clear domed astromech droid, I believe. What was cool about those uh, particular four sneak peek figures is is they had these added on blast accessories or or in the case of the droid lightning uh, wrapped around the droid itself, and we saw quite a bit of that in um, the saga line, but it it was the first, you know, uh -huh. here, and I think even one of the uh, one of the figures, Eth Koth. He didn't have the blast effect, but he had a removable lightsaber blade, which I, if memory serves, that was the first time that they had done something like that. Uh, I believe so, yes. In, in Saga, there was tons of that all over the place. I hated those. Well, they always broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they were some lightsabers that were metal, so they had like magnets. Eh, well, well, that's a different line for a different show. But... Uh, yeah, this was the first time they had done that, which was really kind of cool because as you're you know setting up your displays or whatever, clone troopers or, or Django blasting. Um, and didn't you think Django was going to lead the army of clone troopers? Yes, thanks to that artwork they put up on StarWars.com back then. Yes, yes. And I, I was so... These two figures looked like they went with each other, you know, and, and no, that didn't happen. <laughs> we Speaking of Fets, we, we skipped um, probably... One of the most important and slightly controversial figures, the 300th edition. Ooh. The 300th figure. I'm not sure where this count came from. I, I remember, I think Adam maybe collected the list at one point, but somebody somewhere figured out that this was the 300th figure for Boba F that of Star Wars. Yes. So they made it as Boba Fett and gave him in a very oddly shaped box. <laughs> Uh, that you could see through because it had window um, that you could see through the, the the packaging from different angles. So it was very very cool looking in the box. They've since released this figure a bunch of times, uh, but that was the first way to get that. And it it was soft goods cape, lots of added art, uh, articulation. The range finder was uh, movable. Uh huh. Up till 2004, it was the definitive Boba Fett figure. Um, but yeah, this was a really cool figure and they even tried to work in like a, a somewhat of a rocket firing mechanism into it. Yep. It, 
there, well, originally, of course, you know, Boba Fett was supposed to come with a rocket fire, um, you know, way, way back in the day. Uh, so what they did was they gave you a rocket firing Boba Fett, but the rocket was really, really long, so no one could ever accidentally swallow it. <laughs> uh, no choking hazard in this one. And, and the backpack itself, the rocket was removed, the smaller rocket was removable, that didn't launch. Then the longer rocket, you stuck it into the back and lift the lever and it shot out. Mm. So they finally added that feature to it, which was fun. And they've, I believe, um, did that a lot with Django later in later years. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, it was. I mean, this was a this was a great figure. Um, and then the the other one that uh, we 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 skipped over, which is okay because it's not an important figure, but uh, is. Rower? Roar War. Roar <laughs> War, the Wookiee Scout, which is such a strange one because it was, well, later on, we, I, I guess they merged into one, but uh, even though it wasn't, it, it was part of a role-playing game, the Invasion of Feed, um, and nothing about the packaging of that game suggested Power of the Jedi, but the card back that Rawr War came on was definitely um, Power of the Jedi because it had the same colors and it had the figures on the back as well. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Uh huh. But that was a kit bash Chewbacca figure from Power of the Force Two with a brand new head sculpt with a Wookiee with a very very large underbite. Doesn't it look a little bit like that Wookiee from Solo? <laughs> Does. Huh. Yeah, I, I never had that one. Roar, war. Have you ever thought about how you could make like your own secret language just with Star Wars names? <laughs> Roar, war, Alorismatic, Poplu, Zutton. Masamita. <laughs> Fun times. And then we have the Jedi Con exclusive from 2001. Uh, C-3PO. This is a repack of the Power of the Force 2 C-3PO. A very interesting choice all the way later in 2001, but... Mm. Yeah, nothing, I mean, nothing new uh, figure-wise. Uh, just the packaging came in a came in a little box with a, a window um, opening in the front. Uh-huh. Uh, another thing, like, sometimes these, these conventions get uh, exclusive versions um, and because of the packaging of, of the figures, which was, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess if it's like San Diego or Star Wars Celebration, um, you, you get uh, exclusive everythings. Uh-huh. But uh, this was, uh, this, I, don't, I don't have, I mean, I have the figure from 95, but I, if memory serves, we added this to the gallery after a trip to Rancho Obi-Wan. Ah, so that's that's why we have this photograph, and well, it's not we. I'm not there anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, all right, so we haven't talked about. Uh, have we missed anything other than twelve inch figures? Uh, well, there there was this weird line. I'm looking at it now. There was this weird line called Mega Action Figures. Okay, which were I, I want to say six inches mm. tall. Uh-huh. Maybe. They, they were larger, um, and they were basically like action feature figures 
um, that uh, I, I don't believe were very popular. Every now and then, Hasbro likes to try to do a new subline, and uh, sometimes they take off, and sometimes they don't. This particular one, you had three figures, Darth Maul, uh, Obi-Wan, and a destroyer droid, uh, <laughs> of all things. Uh, but they uh, they did not prove to be very popular, so they didn't make any more. I forgot all about these. Yeah, I I, uh, I never had them, but like looking at the pictures, I know I remember them. I just never had them. What was cool is the destroyer droid could uh, roll up. Not quite screen accurate because actually that was faked on film. <laughs> um, but uh, you could you could roll him up. Then in the action figure line, the destroyer droids that they made. They actually made two versions of it, right? So they had the regular destroyer droid, and then they had the rolled-up version that was his own separate little thing. Uh-huh. Um, but this one was like, uh, I, wa- I, I don't want to use the word transform because that gives a different connotation, but it could transform. Um, yeah. Actually, that reminds me of something. The battle droids in the regular line, they were sculpted in such a way so that the legs could fold. So, you know, like in episode one, they came out, they were hanging, they were all folded up. Uh-huh. You couldn't actually do that with the figures that they made for that line. For Power of the Jedi, you were able to do that. You were able to fold them up. Mm. Which was a nice little uh, feature, I guess. And I don't know. Looking at this picture, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. Now, that's actually really cool how you can fold up the uh, the droid. Um I like that. I, I kind of feel like I need this figure now. I know. I know. Me too. I, I don't have these, but it's now I kind of want them. <laughs> um, so let's see what else we got here. Uh, palm talkers. Uh, palm talkers are, let's see. Are they, I'm going to guess, are they, were they like walkie talkies or something? No, they're, they're sort of like these uh, Japanese super deformed kind of little figurines like two head three head tall um actually it's funny because they're sort of like funko pops but this is way before that and uh they had a sound chip in them Hmm. now episode one had done a a few i believe and um that was obviously from from you know the phantom menace and these were from the uh original trilogy so they're only only Five, which was good, but uh, I don't know that they. I don't remember seeing these in stores, like in the U.S. This uh, might have been a C's exclusive. I'm I'm kind of laughing to myself because, um, in the last episode with Marjorie, when we we're talking about episode one. I know that we came upon palm talkers, and I know I made the exact same comment. Were those walkie talkies? <laughs> And I just completely <laughs> forgot. Right. Yes. Yeah. So no, they weren't walkie talkies, but they did. They did have sound chips in them. Nice. Uh, that reminds me to tell you something later. Okay. Um, all right. So let's see. I think we're down to the twelve-inch figures. Um, yes. And it's not a huge line. It's not anything like the collector series that was out during the Power of the Force days or the Action Collection, but. Uh, it's a good little assortment here. Uh, just reading through the list real quick, uh, and we can elaborate on them as we go. But there's Forlom, uh, Bosk, uh, Captain Tarples, and Kadu, Death Star Droid with Mouse Droid, uh, Death Star Trooper, Han Solo's Stormtrooper Disguise, IG-88, 
uh, Luke Skywalker hundredth action collection figure. So I guess that was like the the hundredth twelve inch figure. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Luke Skywalker and Yoda, Sith Lords, Darth Vader and Darth Maul. I remember seeing that one at Toys R Us, and a speeder bike with Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and the one hundredth Luke Skywalker figure was like the ultimate luke skywalker ah yes literally like every accessory every outfit from a new hope with exception of i think a stormtrooper outfit um all packed into one figure with multiple accessories i mean i i was i'm still not a 12 inch collector um but that was really cool set i have to admit yeah it's uh i now that i'm looking at it i do remember seeing this at toys r us too um, but I never had it. Um, yeah, it's it's Luke, and he's got a wealth of accessories in there. Um, basically, anything you need from A New Hope, other than like like the stormtrooper disguise or the ceremonial outfit. I mean, everything for Tatooine Luke and X Wing Luke is present in this set. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's got a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's really nice to. That, that they were able to do that, you know, um, sort of commemorate that line. Because I don't believe that the line of, for 12-inch lasted. No, it did. It carried over into Saga, but then I don't think it really um, continued much longer after that. It just, 12-inch figures were not very popular with most collectors uh, until Sideshow started producing them. Well, they call them 1-6 scale, but they're really 12-inch. Yeah. I never really got how that worked because I remember back then they were saying that that Hasbro sublicensed the twelve-inch segment to to a sideshow. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess it. I, I didn't realize that a licensee could sublicense to another licensee, but I guess they can. Yeah. Well, I mean, they also uh, do that with Gentle Giant with the uh, the vintage jumbos. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Using the same. Not necessarily the same molds, but they're based on those original molds, so they are licensing those out. Um, but you know, they—it's all—it's all, it's all uh, money. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, we have the Darth Vader and Darth Maul, the Sith Lords two pack, and uh, this is a pretty cool set. I mean, just looking at it, it's got you know those, those two important characters, and uh, the the sculpts, particularly on Vader, aren't aren't the best. But uh, the Darth Maul looks pretty cool. I, again, I wasn't I wasn't a collector of this, so I don't know how um, like how new any of these figures are. Like, were they just repackaged from previous versions, or or what? But uh, the Maul itself splits in half, which is a which is you know obviously a, a spoiler if you hadn't seen the movie. But uh, this was after the movie had come out, so probably not so much. But it's even in the package. Right, so he's even split in half in the box. So if you didn't know, oh, I didn't notice that. Let me go back and look. <laughs> I always found that uh, interesting. Oh wow, yeah, you're right. He is. That is a uh, that that's kind of cool. <laughs> kind of makes you want to go back and check some of these, uh, you know, older ones out. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I forgot some of these toys even existed. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, just looking through the list and everything, I don't, um, it's not necessarily part of the line, but the packaging was still very much like the Power of the Jedi. Disney had 
long before they bought Star Wars, again, this was back in 2000, 2001, um, they had released a line of action figures based on the Star Tours attraction. And they're yes. all droids. Yes, yes, I remember that. Um, let's uh, let's click on that real quick and we'll take a peek. Packaging design. Yeah, same packaging design. Mm -hmm. And then they carried the line uh, on like for years, I think. Um, but yeah, looking here, uh, you have like your very classic Captain Rex, not Clone Wars Captain Rex, but <laughs> the original Captain Rex. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, it, all droids, all very unique looking characters that you could see in the Star Tours attraction uh, as you made your way through the queue and then onto the ride vehicles. Um, so yeah, I think these are, these are pretty important. I don't think I, I don't have any of these older ones, but, uh, I would definitely like to track them down because looking at the, uh, the designs, I mean, they all look so cool. Initially was, I think they did it over the course of three years and there were four figures each year, but they're, and it's funny because one of them, the, uh, DLX2 sort of looks like a, a box with an arm on it and. You know, if it looks kind of like a Dalek, well, it's also named sort of like a Dalek from Doctor Who. <laughs> but that particular one, just in the past year or so, I've had a lot of collectors contact me on Facebook, and they're like, did they release this figure on the blue Saga card back? Because somebody had, had discovered one. And they were supposed to. But uh, they they ended up not doing it. Well, you know, things in the toy world, sometimes these things get do get made, one or two, a couple production samples or whatever, and they get leaked out, and now somebody has one in their collection. Right. But originally, it was on the green Power of the Jedi card back um, with a couple of the other ones. And now, I, I, it's funny because after uh, this started coming out, obviously, I remembered Captain Rex. He, he was part of the attraction. I went back through, we went to Disney World, you know, my, my family, my kids and I, and I would go through and purposely let people pass me by so I could look down <laughs> to the little, uh, little, little area underneath the rampway that people are walking on so I could check out where the actual droids were. And I was able to locate all of them. Oh, wow. Which was cool. However, I don't know that you can do that anymore because they've totally revamped the line I mean, literally the the the, the ride, the attraction, uh -huh. so that all of the droids that were your, uh, you know, your greeters as you walk through the line, they've all been moved into like storage boxes and stuff like that. So it's right. It's a bit different than how it how it used to be. But this was the original one. Now Disney has their own lines of of, of droid factory build a figures, which is which is really cool. Um, but this is where it started. Yeah. Absolutely. And just a little uh, side note, little Disney nerd fun fact about GT40, G240, um, that animatronic in Star Tours was actually the uh, the robots that they used for the geese in the old America Sings attraction uh, at Disneyland. Um, so what they did for this droid is they took the skin off with all the feathers on it. And this is basically the skeleton of those geese. That, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool that they did this. And they're still making um, unique figures for the Disney parks. I don't really think they've done anything for Star Tours in a few years. But 
Um, those are, I think, some of the best figures uh, that they've that they've done. Certainly, the last ones that they they have been doing around 2012, uh, when 2011, when the line, when the Star Wars: The Adventures Continue uh, was launched. Um, so yeah, they definitely were tracking down, and these, some of these older figures just have great designs, very 80s looking uh, right. on some of them. I love that. And a couple of them, I, I know Rex was one, and probably one of the the other droids. Uh, there are two that are similar. One's red and one's blue. Um, they were re-released in a boxed set. Um, I, I remember because I have it somewhere. But it was it was a different version of Rex, different deco on it, and uh, I think it came with a C-3PO and maybe some other character carrying a suitcase or something. You know, as as people are going on a trip. Yes. Yeah, they did do a few um, a few uh, box sets of these different um, figures, which I think some of them even included some of the uh, like Power of the Force figures. I remember one had like the Reese figure, and he had like a camera. The camera, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, you know, Disney always. Uh, I I feel Disney always had fun with this. You know, there, there was even a line of like a mashup Disney characters in Star Wars costumes. You know, I, I have a few of those. I'm looking at them right now on this shelf over here. And, and they even have a, a Jedi Mickey that comes with his own uh, exclusive astromech. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they did. And I think there was a Jedi Mickey with Yoda pack. And uh, they also did... Um, what else did they do? They did... Uh, wasn't there a Mickey Jedi Starfighter also? There was. Absolutely. And, and that uh, R2MK... Um, was uh, based on the Build-A-Figure mold, that, or the, sorry, the Droid Factory mold they use now. Mm, the one with the Mickey ears, right? Mickey ears, yeah. So so originally it was just a regular R2, no, no Build-A-Figure aspect to it, and he had the... I think he, I think he had the hat. I'm not sure. I'll have to double-check. I believe he did. And, uh, you know, they've, they've done two versions of that particular droid. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It, like I said... This is a fun way to go about it, and and now that uh, Disney is, you know, they own Star Wars, they can pretty much do what they want. Right, a lot of fun stuff. So I just wanted to mention that because that was a um, sort of a, a subline that you know, as you're thinking Power of the Jedi, you might not think of. Right, absolutely, very good point there. Um, all right, so Dan, so I asked you to come up with a list of your top five favorite Power of the Jedi figures. So what do you got for us? Uh, well, in, in no particular order, um, the clone trooper I mentioned before, uh, that was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, nice. I have to go with uh, Elors Madak, or however you pronounce that, because that was the first fan's choice figure, and I really enjoyed following the development of it on the on the the website at the time and you know i just i i'm very much in favor of having uh fans input into this line into star wars because i've always championed that i know you remember but there was a hasbro q a that went on for a number of years and i was very much in uh communication with hasbro back then uh regarding any fans relation type thing which was quite an honor but also a lot of work <laughs> so anyway that that's one of them um the rebel fleet trooper i mentioned before just because of the unique 
uniqueness to the sculpt and the articulation, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, FX7, have to give him that one, because, that, like I said, that figure holds up today and has the most articulation of any Star Wars figure. <laughs> nice. And then another one we didn't talk about, one of my favorites of, of this line, and I they've never, ever updated him since, and that is uh, Tessic. Ooh. Squidhead. It's a, sort of a simple figure because he's got the long skirt, I guess. I was going to say dress, but that's not right. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it might be. I don't know. But anyway, he, it, it's, it's plastic, not cloth, but it's sculpted really, really well. And the figure has such great sculpting and deco to it. Um, there's really no... <laughs> I, some people might say there is a need, but there really wasn't a need to redo this figure and they still haven't mm-hmm. i think they should yes but uh i it it's just it remains one of my favorites from this particular era of uh of star wars action figures absolutely great list great list of figures uh and i i love that you mentioned tessic because that's one that's not on my list but it's certainly up there as being in my opinion one of the best Power of the Jedi figures for all of the reasons that you mentioned. It's it's just a great looking figure. And uh, I, I think for the most part still holds up to this day. Absolutely. Um, so for my top five, uh, I have Boss Nass. Um, and you mentioned how Boss Nass is a larger figure compared to the original one that came out during the Phantom Menace line. Um, but he also has a fantastic likeness looking at his face and... Uh, just the level of character that this figure has, like it has a lot of personality and um, I just love it. It's flat out. Absolutely. It's flat out. Not just one of my favorite figures from this, this Power of the Jedi line, but I think from all of these modern Star Wars toy lines, I love that figure. Um, the next one I have is also, this is one that you had as well, as well was Alors Maddock or Alors Madoc, however you pronounce his name. <laughs> Um, I mean, he's yeah. a cantina alien. I mean, I love the aliens. Uh, they're my favorite part of any of these lines. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this one being a fan's choice, highly important. And uh, it looks great. I mean, the sculpt is very film accurate. Uh, I like the costume and how it does have that very slight iridescence quality to it. And uh, it's just a really fun figure. I, you know, love it. Um, next I have Darth Vader Dagobah. I feel like I always end up with Darth Vader on these lists, but, <laughs> um, yeah, Darth Vader. And, uh, this is the one that you mentioned that had, uh, the head that would come off and it had the face plate on the Darth Vader helmet you'd pull off and then you'd have Luke's head underneath. And, uh, it was a really cool figure. Um, and it's it just listed on here as Darth Vader Dagobah. That's what the packaging says. But uh, I, I think some people refer to it as like Force Apparition Darth Vader. Um, but it, it's a really cool, it's a really nicely done figure. It definitely was when Hasbro was kind of in that transition phase from what they did during Power of the Force to what they started doing, you know, years later with the nicer, more articulated Vader figures. Uh, the next one that I have is Zutton, who was uh, a.k.a. A snaggletooth of sorts um and a couple of things interesting about this one and uh the first one is that it actually wasn't this version of of snaggletooth zutton was not in the cantina scene uh this is actually from the star wars holiday special um probably one of the few figures that were actually made from the holiday special but 
Uh, they didn't market it that way, obviously. It, it, it's just marketed as a regular Star Wars Cantina alien. Um, so there's that. And I think even the image that it has in the card back, that's straight out of the holiday special. Yep. Uh, and the second thing I like about it is that he's wearing the Michael Jackson thriller outfit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that, yeah, it's different, but I, I, I think it works. I think it works on, on good old Zetton. Um, and then finally, uh, Queen Amidala Theed Invasion. This is a very simple statuesque figure. There's not a whole lot you can do with it, but I think she's got an excellent likeness. Uh, like her face, it looks like almost like really close to perfect. Um, and then just the sculpting of the outfit too, uh, I, I think it's very film accurate and, you know, really nice. It's a really nice looking figure. It, it, I, it really is. Um, and it, again, it's one of those figures. What I don't, I don't think they've, they've ever revisited this outfit. Have they? No. And, and because it just, they, they nailed it the first time out. Absolutely. They did. And, uh, they'll, yeah, I'd love to see this one in six inch, honestly, if they ever did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny. You, you mentioned Zutton. Um, yeah, I was tempted to put him in there, but I had to go with Elors. Um, but it, do you know, like, even the name Zutton is not even accurate anymore? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> Because they they have made um, a Zutton figure in in uh, one of the three packs for the vintage collection, and he has a completely different outfit. And obviously, this is from the holiday special. And they're now calling this one Zedmore. Huh? Like Winston Zedmore from Ghostbusters? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know that that was in the intent. <laughs> um, and then this particular um, one, they reused part of the body for a blue snaggletooth in one of the mm -hmm. canteen sets, which cracks me up because of the whole snaggletooth. Um, <laughs> I guess, uh, I don't know if it's controversy. I think it's just lore. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, but yeah, I, I, I do like this one. If I, if I could pick another one, I would have added this one up there too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun figure. The blue one, too, is pretty fun with his uh, metallic space boots. Yeah, absolutely. Because why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'll, I'll um, mm -hmm. That and the uh, the walrus man flipper boots. Those were cool. <laughs> For sure. Although that outfit was brought into the Clone Wars. Uh, trying to remember. Um one of the uh, droid, what was it? The the droid squad with with the little geep. Mm. I can't remember his name. Gascon. I don't know. Meeber Gascon, I think. Whatever. The little frog guy that was in charge of all the droids with yeah. R2D. They went to the planet, and one of the aliens sitting in the background was totally Walrus Man. In thing, <laughs> I think he grunted and walked off panel, but. It is totally the same color, the same everything. I'm like, oh my god! Oh, Thank wow. you for doing that. That was awesome. That is awesome. I'm gonna have to go back and uh, I've been watching or trying to watch because uh, last year was the 10th anniversary of, of Clone Wars. I, I've been trying to like go back and watch all of the episodes on on Blu-ray, but I um I I kind of stopped <laughs> doing that a few months back. So I need to, and I'll definitely look for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It was it was a fun nod to the old Kenner and the Clone Wars, as, as I'm sure you've seen if you're watching these, they were loaded with those um, 
you know, uh, decos and, and little uh, nods to the old uh, Kenner line, which is fun. Yep. Yeah, and Star Wars Rebels, too. Yes, yes. Um, so, Dan, uh, we're removed from this toy line a good, uh, gosh, almost 20 years. Uh, and there's been 24 years of modern Star Wars toys uh, since The Power of the Force 2. So what do you think the legacy of The Power of the Jedi line is after all this time? Well, I mean, as, as we've been going through and talking about a lot of these, um, many of them have been re-released. So this line definitely holds up. Uh, it It's probably overlooked by, uh, God, it makes me sound old, um, but by today's collecting community because everything now uh, they want super articulation mm-hmm. right if in the three and three quarter inch they want the vintage collection they don't want five poa um a lot of collectors nowadays are all into the six inch black series um but to me star wars will always be three and three quarter inch and i do have some of the six inch don't get me wrong uh but my my heart and soul is always three and three quarter inch and for this particular line, I still look back very fondly on it because of the chances that it took. And as a whole, you know, you, you had four movies at the time to, to sort of merge into one. And they had a great balance between original trilogy, episode one, and they even brought in some expanded universe uh, into it as well. Uh-huh. I, I, I just really enjoyed it yeah I, I would tend to agree with, to agree with all that i don't think i could say it better myself uh it was definitely um a transitional line between uh the 90s uh, into the 2000s and uh you know merging all of those uh the different uh periods of star wars uh, as well as expanded universe and uh just kind of serving as a bridge of sorts into what would come later in saga and then otc and right um saga collection and so forth so uh yeah it definitely holds up and like you say it definitely took a few chances and if you if you remember too when this was coming out i mean it, it's not a huge line uh there's like 50 some figures in it plus all the other subsets we talked about um but hasbro was gearing up for episode two at the same time they were producing this uh-huh. now normally and it's different nowadays because every year is like this. But normally when you have a movie year, you don't get a lot of new product, right? They sort of like, well, we'll just do a couple of repacks and then just kind of coast for the rest of the year because we're putting all of our resources to the new stuff that's coming out. But you never got that sense with Power of the Jedi because it seemed like while the waves weren't huge, it was like eight-figure waves – it seemed like there was always a good level of newness to it. And uh-huh. for two years, you had two fans' choice... Well, there were three polls, but two fans' choice figures that were released. And um, a whole bunch of chances with all the stuff that we just talked about before. It, it, it was really a great time. And, you know, also, too, late 90s, early 2000s, people had a lot of disposable income compared to nowadays, I suppose. <laughs> it wasn't terribly expensive if you wanted to collect all these. Again, it's all relative. But there, there was definitely um, a satisfying release, a satisfying 
product and you didn't feel like um, you were kind of holding back. And I'm looking at you, original trilogy collection. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's also very well said. I mean, I think another thing about, you know, that era is that there wasn't a whole lot competing for your attention. There were Hasbro Star Wars figures and that was roughly it at the time. Um, uh, now you have Funko Pops, you have Hot Toys, you have Sideshow, you have Gentle Giant, you have the, the Bandai, you have the like the SH Figuarts, the Medicom, uh, the model kits, uh, the Lego. And I mean, there's just so much stuff vying for the collector's well, attention that it, it's just hard to buy everything. So you kind of got to make your decisions on what you're going to focus on. Right, right. There, there were Lego sets. I'm, I'm not a Lego collector, um, but there were Lego sets coming out at, at this time. But the most prominent thing to collect was definitely the action figures. Now, I'm, I'm a very big comic book collector as well. So, some of these figures were also pulled from the comic books, which was really kind of cool. Nice to see that. Um, there, there was a Jedi. I think it was called Jedi Quest comic book that I think was supposed to be much larger than it ended up being. And the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, figure in cold weather gear, that was based on that. Hmm. So why would they do that? Right? Because Obi-Wan was not designed. There was no cold planets in episode one. Right. Why would he have a cold weather gear? That makes no sense. Well, in the comic book <laughs> story, they went to a cold planet. There was an Anakin as well. Um, so it, it was kind of, kind of nice to see all of that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it was a very interesting line and, um, you know, like any of these lines we've been talking about, um, uh, in recent months and we'll continue talking about probably for the next year or so, um, they, they, they each hold their own unique place in Star Wars toy line history and, uh, it's always fun to look back and, you know, reminisce on, you know, collecting experiences and what toy hunting was like and distribution and, uh, you know, what each line offered because they, they each are truly unique in what uh, they represent for the history of Star Wars toys. So I, I think, you know, Power of the Jedi, like you said, definitely holds up to this day for the most part and uh, definitely tried some things that uh, the, the later Star Wars toy lines uh, just built upon. Um, so yeah, Dan, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, for those who would like to look you up on the socials, where should they go? Oh my goodness. Um, so I'm, I'm not as active as I once was, uh, but I mostly stick to Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really like Twitter, so I don't do a lot there. Uh, but, uh, I don't know for the, for the most part, I, tend to post whatever interests me. If that interests other people, so be it. And also, um, occasionally, because it's, it's not done on a regular basis anymore, um, I'm part of the First Order Transmissions podcast, and whenever I go on there, we tend to have a really good time talking about whatever the topic is. It's usually toys with the, I'm involved, uh, but not always. Very cool. So I will place some links to all this down in the show notes. And uh, yeah, excellent. Uh, so be sure to look up Dan Curto online and the treasure trove of photos he shot over the years over on rebelscum.com. All right, Dan, I will catch you later on in the series when we discuss the 30th anniversary collection. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again and take care. No problem. Thank you. I 
In the next episode in this ongoing series focusing on every single modern Star Wars toy line, uh, I will be joined by Adam Paulus, lifelong collector of Star Wars toys. He's been writing about this stuff practically all his life as well, going back into the 90s. Awesome dude, and uh, it's, it's always very insightful to see what he has to say, given his expert knowledge of this toy line and the fact that he does work with this stuff for a living. So uh, always value his opinion and uh, I hope you'll tune in for that episode. Once again, a huge thanks to Dan Curto for coming onto the show and discussing the Power of the Jedi toy line. Be sure to check him out online. I will throw links to his social media accounts in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate Cantina Chatter and leave a review. In fact, be sure to do that no matter where you're checking out the show, whether it be Google Play or Podomatic or YouTube or anywhere else. This show is a labor of love and it is here for all of you to enjoy. If you're so inclined, Victoria's Cantina is on Patreon. To gain greater access to Victoria's Cantina and help keep the lights on, be sure to hit that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Facebook by searching for Victoria's Cantina, Instagram at Victoria's Cantina, and Twitter at Vix Cantina. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast.